Hello, and welcome to Muse and Metrics. This is your host, Philippa Burgess. This is season three, episode 11, New Year, New Challenges. We have made it to 2023, and this is where we get to close the chapter, close the book on 2022, and start fresh. We have a new year ahead of us, a new year of possibility, a new year of opportunity, a new year of challenges. And quite some time ago, I remember hearing Kathy Shulman, who is a producer in Hollywood, speak about her experience as one of the producers on the movie Crash. And she talked about her life as a producer where her angle on it, which I really appreciated, was embrace problem, love problem. Every day when you wake up as a producer, you've got problems to solve. And to not run away from those hot problems, to not hide from them, to not duck under the bed, but to wake up joyfully knowing that you're going to look for problems and you're going to solve problems. And in my own experience, when I have done film production uh, specifically, there are some big problems to solve, whether it's a crew member falls out or there's a permit or insurance or logistics or location challenge. There, there's so many problems to solve. But there's a joy in the fact that you will start picking up the phone and or sending out emails, but usually it's oftentimes it's the phone, and just calling everybody you can possibly think of to help you solve this problem. Now, I will get for your adrenals, this is probably not the most sustainable process because your body really will give out at a certain point. But for a time, for a short burst of time, it's incredible how much we can accomplish when we see a problem that we want to get solved. We know it's possible for it to be solved. And we reach out to everybody we could think of, whether we know them or we don't know them, to say, hey, I've got this problem. Help me solve it. And to realize how helpful people are and how much people want to help solve problems when they're invited to, especially when the ask may be a bit small, uh, that they may say, no, I can't do it, but I know someone who can. Let me give you a phone number. Let me give you a name. Let me give you a direction. Or let me give you some information of this is what won't work and here's why, but here's what will work and how you should approach it or what you need to do next. So different problems have, have different levels of urgency, but the idea is that we don't need to solve the problem by ourselves. We don't even need to know how it's going to be solved. We just know that it's possible for it to be solved and that someone in our network or someone in our network knows someone who can help us find a workable resolution. Uh, to whatever the problem is at hand. Obviously, when you're in film production, or the most aspects of life, you know, safety, compliance is really important. So I'm not saying that we're doing anything that is looking to put anybody's uh, life in harm's way. If anything, we're working really hard to make sure that we're doing everything right, that people are protected, their safety is protected. And that's a really big part of the responsibility of being a producer on a film set is making sure that people are safe and that the rules set by 
the unions, which are in place for a reason, are followed so that people are safe, that they're taken care of, they're fed, they're given an appropriate turnaround time between days, and ultimately they're paid for their work. So rules and compliance to me are wonderful things because if you give me the checklist, I know what it is that I need to check off. I know what it is that I need to do. But sometimes in our own lives, that checklist isn't as clear. And that commitment to say, I must do this, I need to do this, and I need to ask for help isn't as clear to us either. So as we embrace this new year, I would like to sort of start with this idea of a new year, new challenges. Pick your challenges. Pick the things that are hard, that are difficult, that are going to stretch you a bit. And as we've talked about in previous episodes, do it from your comfort zone. Do it from the most comfortable place. So if you need to be sitting on the couch with flannel pajamas and a cup of tea and a notebook and just scribbling down how you want to approach a particular big challenge, get as comfortable as you need to, to take on the big things. So taking on new challenges, what are the challenges we want to take on this year? And I think thinking of that, this is a bit different than the resolution, which is I resolve to change something. And there's a bit of a cold turkey mentality to it. And it never really lasts particularly long. And a better approach, I think, are along the lines of goals, intentions, plans, and challenges. And with a challenge, you understand that there are going to be highs and lows in that, that there's going to be sustained effort over time. And to be really clear about the time frame that you are giving to a particular task, and also to ease into it, coming again from that comfortable place so that it's more likely to get done. It's good to have a challenge that definitely stretches you, that's big enough to get you excited, that you like the the outcome enough to get motivated, but also that there is a plan and a process in place so that it's very clear that if every week I just do this one task, I will be moving closer to achieving that objective. And that if you think about that one task, how can I make that task as approachable and enjoyable as possible so I will absolutely get it done? And so with all this, it's just kind of figure out what are the challenges that you are most excited to embrace this year and look at it from a what's possible and why this would be exciting and joyful and how do you put joy into this particular initiative but also see it again as a little bit of that uphill hike it's not going to be all easy it's going to have its difficult parts and so because you know that going in you're more thoughtful about how do you recruit support? How do you get the skills you need? Are there classes that you could take? I mean, there's so much now going on in the world of online education. I was just introduced to master class, and one of the classes that I took to 
understand really how to take video production to the next level was so eye-opening and so obvious in ways that I just wasn't thinking about until I went through the lessons and it was like, oh, lighting, of course. Oh, sound, of course. Oh, slide. Uh, being able to sort of get movement in your close-ups and your B-roll and how to really incorporate B-roll and how to use additional sound effects and how to fold in music and really thinking about your audience and what is going to be the most compelling and engaging for them. And all sorts of things just, just had to do with just upping my production game. But I'm excited. Like that's a challenge that I'm taking on is I'm really going for this master's of science degree. And I really want to understand what is it to be a scientist? What does that mean uh, to be part of a STEM community? And as I have accepted the role of being a Google Women Tech Maker Ambassador, that I want to speak uh, to women and for women about feeling comfortable in pursuing STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. And whether that's your full career or we all sort of find ways to bring science, technology, engineering, and math to our current work and to our current thinking and be comfortable and feel included. And that's why I'm a big proponent of the government's initiative, You Belong in STEM. And I really want to be part of sharing and amplifying that message and that mission. I think it's really important. And I know that I was not particularly supported in the sciences they were required classes. I didn't really do particularly well in them, but I don't think anybody ever circled back to say, hey, you could use some help. Can we help you? Uh, rather, it was like, yeah, you're not really good at this. Why don't you just go pursue something that you're better at? So I really am excited to take on this challenge of something that doesn't come naturally to me. And then I have to dig a little deeper to be able to perform but I'm still learning a lot and I'm still enjoying it even when I don't enjoy it because it's harder than I know what to do with sometimes. But I think that that's okay. Again, back to embrace the challenge, love problem, and do our best to solve problem. Along those same lines, I am also wanting to learn languages, foreign languages and computer languages. And that's another thing that I'm setting out for this year. And part of my YouTube channel is focusing on my own learning journeys and bringing people along for that learning journey with me. And that kind of actually circles back to wanting to make my first kind of run at 360 YouTube content to be like, hey, come learn video production with me. This is what I'm learning and I want to share it with you. And on my other channels, I'll take other things that I'm learning and share them so that it all kind of fits together and everything kind of has its place. Um, another challenge I'm taking on is my martial arts. I'm, it's taken me 10 years to get to a third degree advancement. And now I have two more pretests and a final test in July. And I'm super excited about that. But it does require that I have a focused intention and commitment to do my part to train. 
and get ready for these uh, tests. I've got to test over all my material from first to second degree black belt, and then all my material from second to third degree black belt. And you sort of do a, a rough test to just prove that you're you're ready for the test because they never want to set it, anyone up to fail or not sort of perform well publicly. And then once you sort of pass that pretest, then you're able to sort of get in front of the, the formal test. So that's stuff that I'm excited about this year. And then in the background uh, or the foreground or whatever it is, we all have family and our relationships and, you know, looking at sort of how we want to grow our relationships, who we want to spend time with, how we want to just have a good solid foundation in our home life and our emotional life. And for me, I'm out of a marriage and I'm a single person who has really kind of decided that where I want to be kind of emotionally and in my home space is enjoying my life as a stay-at-home daughter. And that basically has me um, spending time with my parents who are in their 80s and they live on opposite coasts. And so I am a big part of my year is just going back and forth uh, between uh, Northeast Pennsylvania, Southern California, and then where I was living and where my friends are and my martial arts school is in Colorado. And so I will spend the year in transit and between uh, Pennsylvania, California, and Colorado, although this time I do not intend to drive, which I did. I did plenty of driving last year. And now I am ready to just take airplanes, but I definitely am going to be in transit and moving between those dates or moving around a bit. And that's another challenge for me to take on is making sure that in all my moving around, even though I'm going to very familiar places and I'm very supportive and I'm very comfortable in all of the environments that I'm in, I want to very much make sure that I stay focused on school. I stay focused on my content creation journey. I stay focused on my learning journey. I stay focused on my martial arts training. So that's another kind of challenge for me is to make sure that I don't lose focus in everything that I'm doing. But I'm so joyful to be able to spend time with my mom, my dad, um, my stepmother, my brother, my sister, my friends, my community, and this community that I'm building through stepping out on stage and being a content creator. I feel, And I'm feeling like those are the challenges that I'm excited to take on this year. I also need to manage my physical health as I've had some issues around kind of chronic asthma and just making sure that I'm really, um, yeah, just doing well physically. I had gained a lot of weight uh, in between 2020, 2021, and I started to kind of, that started to fall away in 2022. And I want to just continue to make sure that I'm an optimal health in optimal health and the right weight for myself. And a lot of that was just coming from a combination of stress and a combination of a couple rounds of prednisone. So I want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to just stay healthy uh, and in a good frame of mind. So good mental health, good self-care, uh, good physical health. So those are, you know, part of the challenge that I want to take on. And some of that also includes grocery shopping, meal prep, uh, thinking, you know, about, you know, how I eat, uh, how I exercise, uh, how I spend my time and just, uh, knowing where I need to be when, because there's, again, for me, there's a lot of kind of, uh, transit and transitions 
that I just need to make sure that as I go between states that I have what I need to be on track and, and be focused and understand what my agenda and priorities are kind of in each of my, uh, in each of my travels. Then building on that, and this is a double-edged sword for me, on one level, school has afforded me the opportunity to cash flow my life and just sort of, I was just in a place where I needed to kind of take a break from what I was doing professionally and just retool, reset, skill up, go in a different direction. And school really just gave me that freedom to say, yes, you can actually take a break and pivot, redirect, reset, do everything you need. And it's going to be subsidized by the government to do that. Uh, but you need to pay it back. It's not free money. Just it's, but it, it is a placeholder so that you can cash flow your life. And I have taken that grace and I took it uh, for one master's program. And now I'm pursuing a second master's program. And so I want to make sure that I have a plan to one, reduce how much I'm borrowing so that I actually can start generating my own income and to have a plan so that I can pay back what I've borrowed. And therefore the idea of being a content creator gives me a voice, gives me an outlet and a channel, but also limits my commitment to others. So yes, I should have a schedule. I should release content regularly. People should know where to find me, but I'm not really selling anything except for I would like them to be inspired by the things I observe or the learning that I'm going through that they can join me on or tips and tricks and things that I'm learning that I can share. But it's kind of a very light touch in terms of the end user's expectation of me. And that's really important to me right now because I have to honor and respect those limitations. So as much as I'm saying on one level, hey, embrace challenge, embrace problem, grow and, and see what's possible. We also want to root ourselves in what are our responsibilities? What are our limitations? What is our reality? And that we want to respect and we want to honor and it might be that we have health limitations. I know I do. Um, that's another thing for me is that sometimes I just don't feel well and I need extra rest, extra care. I have ways in which I need to be very self-protective of my time, of my sleep, of my attention. And so I think that those are all part of the limitations that we have. I also want my time to study. I also want my time to train. I need my time to travel. I need my time and attention to be going on to things I have going on at my house and in my community. So I want to make sure that I am very aware of those responsibilities. And in a way you could potentially call them limitations. Similarly, I, I quite enjoy conferences. I have for years, but when it came to the pandemic, I was no longer comfortable going into large public events. And I just wasn't something I was willing to risk. Now with school, we did have an in-person intensive in May of 2022. And I've started to go to some things. We also had another on-campus field trip in September of 2022. And those felt contained they felt that there was a fixed group of people, maybe a dozen or so that, 
it didn't feel overwhelming. It didn't feel like a conference that had hundreds and hundreds of people. And this year, I'm willing to step into a couple of events, a couple of conferences. Uh, and so right now, I've identified three that I want to attend. One in February, one in March, and one in July. And all of those are in California. And I feel comfortable with that. I feel comfortable that that is a good amount of events and they're sort of in uh, a time that I will be in California. So I can kind of plan around those and we'll see what else comes up later in the year that I'll want to put into my schedule. But it does, that feels kind of like a light touch, not super overwhelming, not having me be anywhere that I don't need to be and making sure that I'm also managing my school commitments uh, the first two conferences are, are part of USC. So there's a USC Geospatial Summit and the other one's a USC Women's uh, Conference. And so those two, I think, would be worth attending. And then as someone who's stepping into the whole world of GIS, I am interested in learning and connecting and networking in that space. And so Esri, which is the company that does the software for these digital maps, has a huge conference every summer in San Diego. Since my mom's in San Diego, that makes perfect sense. So I will travel to California at the end of January and be there through uh, the beginning of March. One of the things I have learned is just I read all the emails and I participate and I play as much as I can. And I've found such wonderful opportunities have come from this idea of reading all the emails. So I feel very blessed because they constantly are giving us opportunities. Uh, and so I will just kind of keep reading the emails and see which opportunities fit and keep applying for things that make sense and be able to, you know, again, see what aligns for them, see what aligns for me. I was joyful to be able to apply for the Intelligence Community Scholarship uh, which I got. I was joyful to be able to apply for the Women Tech Makers Ambassador through Google, which I got. And I'm consistently seeing other things that just make sense. And I will continue to show up and I will continue to participate and I will continue to play. And so I think I have a full slate of challenges for 2023. Now that's not to say life won't throw us some curveballs people will be born, people will die, uh, events will happen. I mean, we weren't anticipating that Russia would invade Ukraine and here we are and it's uh, coming up on a year later and it's an awful tragedy and I do my part to support Ukraine and that's one of my goals is to get good at the Ukrainian language and also learn some Russian because I do feel like the, the languages are together but separate. And so I, I wanna sort of not only understand the differences, but also the similarities and the, you know, what just kind of, I think for me to be able to compare and contrast the two languages, I feel will actually be better for me to learn both. And so that's a big part of my agenda this year. And then polish up my, my French, my Spanish, my German, and peek into a little bit of Chinese, which we get in my martial arts and a little bit of Japanese because I do both karate now and Kung Fu. So that's kind of my, my world of language that I want to uh, 
uh, explore and practice and get better at. So I have, yeah, I have my agenda and I invite you to really think about yours. I mean, I write things down all the time, whether I'm writing them in a notebook, whether I'm writing them on my computer, whether I'm writing them on my phone. I think it is so important to just document, 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 so you can really, you know, get clear about what's in your head and put it on paper and then start to build plans around it and get in action around it and look for opportunities that support it and just continue and just continue on this journey where we are able to be the hero in our own stories and that we are able to uh, not only have our own intentions, but also be aware of each other and lift each other up and support each other in, in our objectives. If you think about the hero's journey, you know, it starts with being in a safe and comfortable place that's not necessarily an ideal situation, but it's a manageable situation. And then there's a call to adventure and there's a refusal to the call because we'd all rather stay in our safe, sp safe space. But then there is the something happens and suddenly you're on the adventure, whether you like it or not. And now you have this opportunity to move forward and, but things sort of fall apart. And then a guide comes in and shows the way. And then there's some progress, but then it falls apart again. But this time when it falls apart, there's just kind of this new commitment that says, I will figure this out. I will get to the other side of this. I know this is difficult, but I'm, I'm committed. And then there's some more progress made. And then there's some bigger challenges. And then there's usually kind of what we'll sort of say the fight of, of your life uh, until you get to the other side. You've learned the lessons you've grown and you ultimately succeed and win the day, win the journey. And life is better. Life is better than when you started on this journey. And when I was going through everything that happened in 2020 related to the breakup of my marriage, which was heartbreaking and the whole situation around it, I just found to be incredibly traumatic and uh, it was just very, very difficult for me. And within that, I would say there was a lot of that that was not necessarily a challenge that I sought. It wasn't a challenge that I necessarily wanted. But there were certain boundaries that I had that had that just was very clear to me what was acceptable behavior, what was not acceptable behavior, and that certain things had happened that couldn't be undone. And it was just the, the, the way to proceed was just to proceed. It was just that you just kind of had to pick up the pieces to the best of my ability and just figure out, Hey, what is next and how do I survive this? And that was where I was so grateful that I was able to move in with my dad and get his, his kind of emotional support and have the freedom to continue to work but even at a certain point, I decided I wanted to kind of wrap that up and go in a different direction. And that's where school came in. School was ended up just being such a huge blessing. And it kept me busy enough and it kept me challenged enough 
that even though I had all this other stuff going on in the background and I found the other stuff had a lot of trauma attached to it and I just found it incredibly difficult that I was supported, entertained, educated, busy in a way that helped me get through it because although the trauma, the anxiety, the depression, the health challenges that I went through, the whole moving, the expenses, there were just were a lot of things that were coming at me that were outside of my control. Uh, but it was helpful that I had other things going on. It was helpful that I was just so occupied And in some ways it was very challenging because I was so busy and I had so much going on uh, that that ended up being a point of challenge. But at the same time, it was also the blessing. It was the gift. It was the gift that I was so busy because time just went by so much faster. And I was able to sort of separate what was happening to me, through me, for me, whatever it was from what I was able to do for myself and what I was able to use to define myself and where I was going next and what I was doing. And that I wasn't going to let this particular situation define me. I think that that's in some ways what I think he was doing very hard to do was kind of to punish me or to put me in a corner and to sort of, there was a lot of dysfunction that happened after. And there were a lot of people, there was a lot of, uh, there's a lot going on that was just very, very difficult for me. But at the same time, it protected me um, having all of this other stuff going on. And I think everybody involved in the situation could definitely see, not only was I doing the best that I could in that situation, that I clearly had taken on other things, other challenges that gave a more accurate representation of who I was and what I was about and where I was going and that I wasn't going to let this situation define me at all. If anything, I was going to be done with it as quickly as I could be so that I could move on with the rest of my life. And And it was very important that I reinvented myself. And I think that that's something that comes out of my creative nature. If I, I did learn a lot kind of spending the first part of my career in the entertainment industry and working a lot with in and around literary, uh, working with screenwriters, working with book writers, Um, but also with actors and managers and agents and studio executives. And the art of reinvention is something that is quite common in the entertainment industry, because I always feel like we ride waves and you catch a wave. And sometimes, you know, it's, that's what it is. You're, you're on a wave and so it's going to end. It's going to, sometimes it ends gracefully and other times it's an epic wipeout, but whatever the case is, you just get back on the board, you swim back out, you find the next wave and, and, and then you'll ride that one for as long as you do. Some waves are little, some waves are big in terms of how successful you're going to be on that ride. But we, as coming out of the entertainment industry, you just are very comfortable in this art of reinvention. And I feel like that's kind of, for me, some of it has been somewhat place-based because when I was in Los Angeles, 
it was very easy and obvious to me to be involved in media entertainment. Um, I did other things. I worked as an apartment manager. I worked as a paralegal. Like I always had part-time jobs and other things going on just because my creative life did not always pay rent. So I found other ways to make sure that I could pay my bills uh, while still pursuing my creative in endeavors, initiatives. And a lot of my creative endeavors were helping other creatives. That was really where I found my joy and my place in the industry. It was only when I moved to Colorado did I want to embrace my role as the creative. And that's where I started working in marketing and public relations and digital marketing, digital media for small businesses, helping them with content marketing, content creation, digital marketing. And so that was a big part of my transition to Colorado. But very quickly, once I arrived there, they voted in legal cannabis. And that's when I found myself working in the cannabis industry, doing similar types of uh, first marketing. And then there were so many startups. So I found myself doing various administrative and operational tasks and just doing all sorts of contract work. And one of my uh, contracts became a, a company that brought me on full time and they went public and I got a book of stock. And so that was a, a just generally a good experience. And then I ended up doing some contract work on the banking side and compliance. And after my marriage kind of blew up and I was like, Hey dad, I'm coming to live with you. And I moved, moved across country and I found myself moving out of Colorado to Pennsylvania was when I, I did it for a while cause I could work from home, but I was really ready to wrap it up. And that's where graduate school really came in because I didn't know what I wanted to do next. And no longer being in Colorado, I was no longer kind of in this sort of heart and soul of that particular industry for uh, cannabis and CBD. And I'm not a poster child for any of those products. Uh, and, and it just didn't, it was sort of kind of feeling like the problems that we were able to solve in 2018, 2019, even 2020 had sort of, the, the industry had kind of caught up and most of those problems around banking and merchant processing were now being solved. And so selling services to solve those just wasn't particularly relevant anymore. And the company I was working for was going in new directions that I wasn't that interested in. And so we parted ways and then it, you know, there was a little bit of cleaning up from clients and things that still kind of had questions. And so I wanted to make myself available. So I set up a, a little brand that was just kind of could kind of answer questions since I sort of seemed to be a point person on a lot of uh, that customer service. And then I kind of wrapped that up and finished out my master's in urban planning but didn't really see the next place from like, how do I apply this urban planning degree? Uh, I don't live in one city. I don't in Pennsylvania. I don't even live near any city. I mean, New York city is the closest city, much closer than Philadelphia and certainly much closer than Pittsburgh. So it really was kind of, I'm not going to commute into New York every day. There are people around where I live that do, but that was not going to be my path. And I'm not around in one place uh, because I'm, I'm, in Pennsylvania, then I'm back to Colorado, then I'm back to Southern California. So I wanted to make sure that whatever I was doing kind of could move with me. 
And so being in school right now just feels like the best thing because I finished the urban planning only to find out that urban planning was kind of a good solid foundation prerequisite for this new field of study that I have, which is human security and geospatial intelligence. And finding that I have just this interest in technology and this interest in digital maps and data visualization and language study and things that really kind of feel like I can be on this learning adventure for the next two years. And my school offers health insurance, which is great and something I wouldn't get if I was independently employed. And I do find that I, given my health conditions, I need health insurance and not having it isn't really the best move for me. So making sure that I have good health insurance and finding kind of, you know, how I can be in school and have an income and spend time with my parents and my, all my other activities, you know, I've sort of found for me, what I hope to be that right balance between understanding my responsibilities, understanding my limitations, understanding my path and, you know, what are my well-worn paths? Where do I spend time? What are my priorities? And then also understanding how am I challenging myself? How am I growing? Uh, what am I looking to accomplish? What am I looking to achieve? And so kind of working through all of those things uh, for 2023. And so again, I encourage you to think through, you know, again, not only ways to, to grow or, or skill up, but also accepting our responsibilities and the good limitations of our lives. So obviously parents, if you have young children, you know, those are joyful things, but there are also limiting factors in you're going to know that you only have so much time in a day and that your activities are going to be much more centered on home to whatever you can control uh, as opposed to traveling or limiting your travel to make sure that, you know, again, your priorities and your attention are um, in terms of the responsibilities at home. And, and that's a good, that's not a bad limitation. So, or it could be, you know, health considerations, just we can't push yourself too much. Um, you have to make sure that you're getting the self-care you need, you're getting the diet and exercise you need, you're getting the sleep you need, you're getting the medical attention you need. So whatever it is, uh, understanding those limiting factors. Uh, I, I would sort of be careful with the limiting factor of money because there's a lot of things that are free. Uh, if you really are committed and you want to, for example, say you want to learn a skill or something, there's a lot out there. If you're really focused on, I want to learn how to do this, that's available or that people will see your effort and your commitment and they will support you in doing that. Or again, with more traditional course of study that you can get loans for those things. Uh, so just be careful about, you know, what, where those lines are. Now, it does make sense that some things, it just doesn't make sense to put on credit and it really makes sense to sort of pay as you go and what you can afford. But I think sometimes people get so emotionally traumatized around money that I, there's a thing I was referring to and I went through it as a contractor. There was just a time in my life where I wasn't getting paid and just or I just wasn't asking for enough or any number of problems that just were kind of putting me and just pinning me where I just wasn't having what I needed when I needed it. 
And I was so stressed out by this, but I found some relief in giving it language. And I gave it language that I called it money jail. And it helped when I needed to talk to people who possibly I owed money to, or that I was working with or whatever it was that I just was like, I'm in money jail. And as soon as I said that, it added a level of humor to it, but it, it, it was an immediately recognizable, understandable, like people could have empathy for it. Like, oh, I get it. Like, and, and how can I help? Or, you know, maybe I can throw you, I remember with one of my employer or contract people that I did some work for, it was like, oh, how can I throw you some more work? How can I help you? How can I help you get out of money jail? And it was an important time for me to really put every expense that I had on an Excel sheet, make sure I was really had a budget. And I knew every dollar that I committed to, whether it was for rent, for my car, for my cell phone, for anything else that I was spending money on, for my credit card, uh, minimum payments, and then understanding you know, what I owe on those cards. It was really helpful for me to have just a tracking system of what the total amount was on something, what the payment was, what was paid, what was left to be paid, and just kind of helping me to manage my cash flow and also as a mechanism to make sure I was actually getting uh, out of debt and I was aware what all my debts were and I could just kind of have a plan to sort of be working to make sure they were all getting paid off. And then I found that the next phase of this, and which is where the one I warn about, is what I want to call money PTSD. And money PTSD is the fact that money jail came with a certain amount of trauma related to it because it was just so frustrated and so kind of traumatized, like that I do not have what I need and I'm feeling that I'm just pinned uh, financially and I can't afford things and it's like very stressful. And so what happens is that money PTSD, it's like I'm so comfortable in money jail, even though I don't like money jail, that I'm not doing what I need to do to actually deliver on the project that will pay me or look for the next client that will pay me or do things that will actively solve my problem. And it's because I'm just it's still in trauma that I'm not breaking it down that if I do this action, I will get this positive result, which will then help me pay this bill. And that I'm, you know, that these things that I'm running through my head or my subconscious or conscious or whatever, wherever it is that are problems are well within my means to handle and solve these problems. If I get out of sort of my trauma response. And so I think that there's a certain sense of uh, self soothing and just a, a good reality check of what's possible for income what's possible for expenses. And if there's things that, okay, I don't have to pay that the full amount on that, or I don't have to pay all of that, or I can hold off on this expense, but really understanding like, where is the money coming in and what can I do to help facilitate that and not ignore things that could be for my good or for my benefit, because I just have put blinders on that. I don't, I'm not seeing the opportunities or I'm not following through on the opportunities. And then once you kind of get through money PTSD, the other part is I'd refer to it as money Zen, where things are just kind of rolling and things are okay. And you're feeling good and you're feeling like you're earning, you're spending, you're able to save what you need, you're able to pay off things and things are just, you have what you need and, and 
money is no longer a point of stress. Money is no longer a point of uh, anxiety, trauma, any, any of that. You're, you're sort of feeling like you have a sense of control about it. And where I've landed myself, for better or for worse, is that I was actually in a pretty good space when it came to my earnings, my income, my job, you know, where I was in 2020, where I was in 2021, I was feeling like I was earning an income. I had a team and money kept flowing. It wasn't perfect, but you know, payroll got paid. I got paid. I was able to pay my bills. But what was frustrating me was just how with the end of my marriage, I was just, everything was getting thrown at and pinned on me. And I was just feeling like I was just rocks were being thrown at me constantly. And so I was uh, not given notice until a later time that he'd already left the apartment. And now I had, had 60 days that I had to pay for uh, in order to give notice. And then I had a lease break fee that went with that. And then I had to hire movers and I had to move my stuff into storage and then I had to pay for storage and I had to pay my legal fees and I had to pay just, there were just expense after expense after it was just unrelenting. And that really not only stressed me out, but it just, it, it was, I just felt so kind of financially out of control and only when I was able to start school was I able to, and that you know, the, the the loan package that came with that, I was able to sort of say, okay, I can absorb all of these extraordinary expenses that are being thrown at me. And even though this is a loan, from a cash flow point of view, I'm not quite as stressed. I can I can just function. And with the ability to function it's been just such a relief to sort of, to know, okay, I have what I need. I have what I need. And I make a point to be modest in my expenses, but at the same time feeling like I can pay for everything that I need to pay for to do the things that I need to do to get on with my life and make my life functional, it, which includes in my world, a fair amount of travel, which included uh, getting out of the storage and driving back across country with a trailer and, uh, getting, um, a lot of the digital tools that I need to feel like I can move forward with the things that I'm wanting to create, just buying what I need when I need it basically. Um, or, um, paying for a doctor, a dentist, a hairdresser, uh, any number of things that just felt like I could just kind of keep my life moving along. And now probably the biggest, scariest thing I have is that I've allowed myself to get into, and as many Americans have, this sort of educational debt, um, which has been not only been paying for school, but it's been cash flowing my life. And so that's why I'm particularly motivated now to be like, okay, that's the big, they talk about big, hairy, big, scary, hairy, audacious goals. And that's the thing that it's really convenient for me not to look at that, to pretend that it does not exist. Um, nobody's asking me to make payments on it. Um, nobody's really limiting anything I can do with my life because it exists. Uh, I'm sure perhaps if I went to ask for a mortgage, I might comment on it. Um, perhaps even if I went for a security clearance, 
it would maybe come up um, relative to how much do I have the potential to earn relative to how much do I owe. Um, again, in my current living situation, I'm, I'm housed, but if I were to go for my own apartment, I'm sure like that would come up on my credit report. Um, I don't think they'd care as much as long as I showed that I had usually that three times rent and income, and then they'd want to sort of see how I was incorporating that loan repayment uh, into my ability to show that I can pay rent along with a car payment or whatever else I have. So those things kind of taken into consideration where I'm just very grateful right now, like this is again, how I'm helping my parents and how my parents are helping me is that now that I'm past paying for my former apartment and I'm past paying for the lease break fee and I'm past paying for storage and just all of these other extraordinary expenses, then now it's like, I'm really ready to tackle like, Hey, how am I going to zero out the student loan? Like what needs to happen to get this paid? And so that's one of those, that's really the, the big one. That's the, the one that I get easy, easy, easy to pretend it doesn't exist. Easy, easy, easy to just ignore it. Um, because if I don't look at it, it's as if it's not there, but the reality is it's, it's there. It's totally there. And one of the, it's, it's a big enough number that one of the things I'm thinking about is how do I earn enough money to actually invest in an asset that can help me pay it? So rather than paying it directly, pay it off of the income of an asset. And so that's, I haven't, don't have the answer to that right now, but that's something I'm certainly thinking about as um, wanting to just make sure that I'm, you know, again, being responsible about that because it's a big number now and I still have two more years of school and which is two more years of living expenses. So even though my expenses now don't feel extraordinary, um, the loan amount is extraordinary and I need to make sure that I have a plan to tackle that, which is why I want to get back to work and why this content direction and content plan is really important to me just because it feels like in my current direction, it feels like the thing that I can do and the thing that I can do best. And that's why I want to swing for the fences with it. I also feel like it's going to identify and help me find the best career opportunities for where I belong after graduation, because I think it's an opportunity for me to not only share my learning, but also share my voice. And I have this background in entertainment and media. So instead of telling people that I have this background, I feel like it's wonderful to show them that I have this background um, by actually uh, delivering uh, quality content. And in some ways, the best way to deliver quality content is to begin, you start, you create, you evolve, you get better, you build a community, you learn how to best serve your community while still being aligned with being authentically yourself and learn better production techniques, better storytelling techniques, and it just evolves. So if anything I learned is like you start with a blank page and then you put something on it and then you do a revision and then get more feedback and then do a polish and then get, and then you're, you're ready to, to go with a final product. And actually that was the contract we had. Um, so for a writer who, uh, gets a writing assignment, those are the three steps. So you're, they're literally paid for a draft, a rewrite and a polish, um, are typically the steps. And so 
knowing that you just kind of have to begin and, you know, then you will be able to sort of make the improvements as you go and adjust course. Um, but you, people can't comment on, or you can't even yourself improve upon something that you can't see. So you have to just tackle the blank page and get going. And so that's a big uh, part of my intention for the year is, is uh, get going. I was very pleased that I've had a year now um, as a host here on 360 Talk Radio. And I am so happy that I've had this opportunity. And now I want to take this opportunity and continue, but build on it with my uh, engagement on YouTube and other content creation, other social media, so that I can just, yeah, just continue to build, grow, develop, empower, inspire. Um, those are the things that I, I want to do. I think with all of the things I want to do, um, making sure that I have impact uh, is an important one uh, and that it's no longer about me. In some ways, I'm 48 years old. There's a part of me, I'm not done with my career. I, I intend to live for another 50 years, God willing. Uh, but also I feel like I am done with my career. I've, I've done all of the things that I wanted to do in more traditional professional environments. I've proved everything I have to prove. I don't have anything else to prove. If I get opportunities and I can serve and I can do good things, I welcome it. But I also feel that I now have a role and responsibility to help others, to inspire others, to get other people the opportunities and on their career and personal tracks and just getting everybody else kind of that they can hopefully be inspired by things that I have done or that I have learned or that I am doing. Um, but that, you know, a big part of my professional role is in helping others, is in giving voice um, to others, is saying things that other people might be thinking, but that nobody is saying. And I'm not shy. I'm always willing to be on stage. I'm always willing to answer the question. I'm always willing to participate. So I think that those are some of my greatest skills. And I think that was, you know, tied. And I think tied to my academic performance, I think as what was pure science, I'm have proven I'm a C student. Um, but what was pure reading, research, and writing, I think I've proven I'm an A student. And so I landed with Bs. My final grade was a B. But it speaks to the fact that, yes, I can do a lot better in learning science, but I don't want to put away my strongest skills, which is to be someone who communicates, who is someone who can inspire, motivate, encourage lift up, support, and be a communication bridge and a person who can help to make, whether it's a, a graduate school program, whether it's my school at USC, whether it's the field of GIS or the field of intelligence or the field of anything in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, to make those more approachable, to make those more accessible, to be part of the welcoming committee for people who are going to have way more skills and way more ability and way more uh, possibility of really putting the time in, in a way that I can't, uh, where they can commute to the lab 
uh, or the the place where everybody's doing the programming in a way that I can't. So I think that I'm in my world. I have my infrastructure, so to speak, and I am probably going to be on my path again for as long as my parents are alive I'm in my circuit and I, I just want to sort of wish them a, a very long healthy life and again they're my priority right now so being in school sort of fits for me yeah. so I don't know what I'm going to do professionally thereafter but what I do know is that I really really want to make sure that I use my communication skills and that I'm not trying to hide what I've learned and what I've cultivated and what I've crafted for over two decades now, but that I can build upon that, that I can expand that, that I can incorporate this new science school, this science degree that I'm going for on top of, and as part of my education in the arts. And then the fact that I'm very comfortable with media and PR and all things to do with writing and creation and communication. And so like building it so that I can put these pieces together. And that's, uh, and that's what we'll see. We'll see kind of this unfolding of that. I'm very excited about this year. Uh, I have no idea what my classes for the fall semester will be like. I do know that I have no intention of summer school. I'm very clear that I would like to uh, not um, do summer school. And then I want to take the summer either for my own activities or some sort of internship or work experience that can, uh, help, um, with my own sort of resume building. But generally speaking, uh, I, this, this coming semester, I have a course in cartography and visualization, which I'm really excited about because the part of data science that I'm most interested in is that data analytics and data visualization and cartography again is continuing with the sort of the science of geography and my other class is in human security so i will be learning about disaster management and it's going to be my first class which is part of my full kind of major in human security and geospatial intelligence uh, which is part of gis so the geographic information science the fall semester of 2022 we had concepts for spatial thinking and we had acquiring spatial data so now i kind of have a good sense of, of the foundation of gis and now kind of adding this human security uh, piece on top of this so very excited about the possibilities the potential super excited about 2023 and the fact that we're here and I just want to say, go for it. Uh, you have my uh, full encouragement and this process that I'd like you to think about in terms of thinking about your goals, giving them time, giving them time in, setting yourself up so you not, you can't, there is no option for failure here. There's just an option for it might take more time or you need a better plan or you need more support. But whatever it is, knowing that you know what your intentions are, you know what your challenges are that you're ready to take on, that you're excited to take on, understanding and working with your existing responsibilities and limitations, knowing that you need self-care, knowing that you're going to need support, and knowing you can get there. And with that, I wish you a wonderful week, a wonderful new year, 